0: Just a quick note to say that if this episode ever sounds a bit technically dodgy, for example, like it's perhaps been recorded remotely during lockdown, well, it has been. On with the show. Hello, and welcome to Comics Books. I'm Lucy Dancer, and for many years I've worked as a producer alongside a number of excellent comedians. I'm also a book obsessive who's always asking friends and strangers alike what they're reading. So, I thought I'd bring my two passions together and find out what do funny people read. I've known my guest today for many a year, and I've been so lucky to watch her develop over the years into an absolutely incredible stand-up comedian. Her work is naturally funny, but also thought-provoking and heartwarming, and I'm extra excited to talk to her today about all things books, because she's just secured her first publishing deal. Welcome, Laura, and congratulations. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs)
1: Oh. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm sort of, um. well, it's lockdown, isn't it? So I'm having 50 mood swings a day. And that's um, I've got time to dedicate to
0: all of them. So... <laughs> well, that's nice. Are you matching them with like biscuits? I give myself a biscuit for each sort of like feeling I'm feeling.
1: Yeah, I'm sort of just, I've upgraded now to just big slabs of Cadbury's chocolate. Oh, perfect, perfect, I'm keeping it in the fridge so that I do have to keep getting up and going to it whenever I want another line of it, but... Does it slow you down? Not really, no. No, not really, no. I'm, but I'm, I'm trying to only go to the supermarket once a fortnight, so this Ooh. second week, so I'm going today, so we really have been thin on the ground on everything decent, so it sort of means that first week <laughs> I'm really full of sugar. And then the second week is a little bit
0: healthier. Are <laughs> oh, you just on the massive sugar come down?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> but I save the alcohol for the second week. So.
0: Oh, you're so clever. I'm still learning from you. <laughs> I've
1: been doing this like um book club thing while we're in lockdown. I've been mm-hmm. writing this novel, um Like a chapter a day, and then reading it on YouTube, and the audience vote on what they want to happen. Yes, I was so smashed for last night's (laughs) episode. (laughs) I sort of turned up, and and like, they're really lovely because we've been doing it for like two and a half weeks now. So everybody sort of, you know, really feels like they know each other. And I sort of went went to start the video and say, like, I'm really sorry, guys, I've had a bit to drink. And I caught the look of myself in the webcam and thought, they know. (laughs) (laughs) I I
0: am disheveled at best. (laughs) So how long are you going to do this uh, online uh, story for? Well, I suppose as
1: long as everybody's in for the evenings, you know, like. As far as comedy goes, I'm not working again until at least July, I think. Like all the gigs have been moved. So I can't see what else I'll be doing between (laughs) now and then. So if there's a market for somebody reading a half-baked book, then why wouldn't it be me doing it? Because I've got nowhere else to be. I, I don't know, because I suppose, what if we got like another week of official lockdown and then they'll reassess, but I would... I would have thought they're extending it again. And then the pubs aren't due to be open for a good couple of months. So what's anyone going to be doing in the evening? It's Hanging a- out with
0: drunky me. I think it's perfect. I think you're bringing people back to the like, you know the old school of sitting and reading and talking. You know, you're well, still yeah, doing I, it.
1: I like it because I get really annoyed when people, um, you, like, do you listen to audiobooks?
0: I do, Yes.
1: Yes, so do I. And I hate people that are chippy about it and go, we haven't read it, have you? You've listened to it. And I think, (laughs) ah, do one. Because people get really like snobby about books that if book sales dip or audio books take over, it's like, oh, it's a sign of the times. And you're like, well, actually, listening to a story is way more culturally traditional than reading a story. Listening to a story goes right back to the beginning of what we are like listening to an audiobook absolutely couldn't be any more fundamentally traditional so you can get over yourself that i didn't read it i i absorbed it in the way that we were meant
0: to i also think that there's different ways of consuming books i've never understood why why some people think one's better than the other you know i think if 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 everyone stopped reading and only listened to audiobooks then we'd lose an important skill but hmm that's not going to happen There'll no and book, you're right some books really
1: suit it like there's mm-hmm. a couple of series that I've been listening to um do you know the Peter Grant series by Ben Aronovich the Rivers of London um, yes but I haven't read them yeah so I got those There, I've had most of those on audiobook because I, I absolutely love the narrator is Cobner Holdbrook Smith um who had a cameo in Paddington 2 the movie he plays the police guard in that but he's got this amazing voice and and because the book's in first person is that right when you hear their thoughts yeah so so the main character is narrating it yeah I I don't know the official terms but um the main character's narrating it so uh, I really associate him with you know he is Peter Grant um but then he's written some spin-off ones set in Germany. And I read those ones because they weren't narrated by. And I was sort of like, no, I can't have another narrator in this series. It's got to be Cobner or, or I'm not doing it. So I read those ones and listened to the London version ones.
0: I feel like that. I, I get committed to a certain narrator and that's who I... Like when I was little, I used to listen to Dr. Doolittle, narrated by Alan Bennett. And I don't think I could listen to anyone else tell me or read me Dr. Doolittle now.
1: No, I love a narrator that's really like um, me and Tom, my husband, we we both um, discovered we had the same children's tape of George's Marvelous Medicine, read by Richard Griffiths. And so now we both do it. um, We go with a curled up mouth like a dog's bottom and every now and again one of us will go cabbages give you rice (laughs) you're like yeah that book is forever him now it can't be anything
0: else so I'm excited because you sent me a list of books that have been important to you throughout your life and we have I was surprised to see very little crossover in what we read I was surprised because I feel like we have a lot in common and I think you probably challenge
1: yourself with your reading a bit more than I do probably
0: well I think you go in the sort of fantasy historical fiction route quite a lot so you started with the the lies of Locke Lamora by Scott Lynch
1: yeah I love those books so there's a series of them the um they're called the gentleman bastard series um the lies of Locke Lamora is the first one and then I think there's four now. I just think they're brilliant. They're really intricate fantasy fiction. So it's set in the city of Camor and they are a sort of um, thievery band um, of characters. But it's so sort of, um, it's very gritty. It's not... Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's very sort of down-to-earth fantasy fiction. So whilst it is fantasy, they're not constantly sort of pulling spells out of their arse and doing all these like highfalutin thing with elves and all that. It's a lot more, this is the fantasy world, these are the rules, there's this and there's this, but these people are struggling and like it feels very human. Mm. Um, and yeah, I just, I love these books. And I really remember... When I was first dating my husband, going down to visit him in Brighton, and he had this book on his shelf, and just being like, "Oh, oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. hey, you've read that book, have you? Because, like, you know, I think they're quite popular books, but I don't know many people that have read them. And sort of seeing it there, and and that was something like we really bonded over quite early on. Was like, "Oh, you like you've read these too, have you?" <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love. I really. Really, and I when the fourth one came out recently, so sort of in the last couple of years, I reread them all in preparation, and the twists that he puts into these books like there's um there's a huge plot twist at the end of one of the books that is just jaw dropping. you just can't quite believe what he's done with the plot. <laughs> you're kind of like no, because it's so sort of you know game of thrones level brutal as to what it does to the and every time you're reading it thinking he's not going to mess their lives up this time they're such nice characters and the whole book's got that feel of like ah these plucky band of heroes will pull through in the end and then (laughs) he just devastates their lives and you go ah you do keep doing it don't you (laughs) you haven't snuck back in the book and crossed that bit out have you um brutal yeah the development's great and just the the plots are very intricate because they're sort of like um so they're confidence tricksters so you mm. get that fun thing where the plot of the book is great but also the plots they're coming up with within the book are great and in you know you get the nice escapism of the um that this highfalutin lords and ladies being taken down by these um these orphaned you know uh con men so it's it's sort of got all of the traditional yeah Yeah. in this really exciting made-up world and I I think that's what I really love about fantasy fiction is how much goes into like I'm one of those people that sometimes will just skip a paragraph of description if it looks really boring I don't care um (laughs) and then But in really good fantasy fiction, you you want to read that because you want to find out what they've done to manipulate, you know, it it to make it a fantasy world. Um, So I think that's one of the things I really love about fantasy fiction.
0: It's that like huge world building. That's what I've noticed recently when I've started dipping my toe in is just, I think I always thought, I always thought fantasy was, yeah, just sort of elves and nonsense. And it's (laughs) it's just this building this, entire world that has very little to do with ours which and everything is sort of from scratch and I think for me I that was the first time I realized oh it's pure escapism while still yeah. telling real stories
1: yeah I think that's it's so creative and and interesting like and in the lies of Loch Lamora like even the building materials um they There's sort of a lot of focus on alchemical um lights, and uh I can't is it elder glass I think is one of the building materials that one of the cities is made of, so even with that you're like this person's sort of come up with a a, a different building material to put into this <laughs> world, and then the rules of that and then how that affects them needing to scale the outside of that building at some point, and you know the the animals that they've created and then the sports that have come out of that animal existing and yeah I love it and also especially with historical fiction Mm -hmm. I find that that is such a better way for me to learn the actual history (laughs) like it's
0: life a bit more it's like doing yeah
1: and then it, it sticks in my brain like I really understand the wars of the roses now and that is purely from reading two different series about or three actually about the wars of the roses by three different authors and sort of seeing it from a couple of different sides and these people being alive so I'm like oh it Works in my head now, who Elizabeth Woodville was, she's not just and then he married her at this point. Mm. It's like, oh, she was that woman, and then I understand it also I kind of like starting to see sort of you know these big fiction novels for that as well.
0: I like how you mentioned it being a kind of aspect when you first started dating Tom because mm. I found exactly the same thing is is that I always thought for me. Uh, reading had to be something that my husband would enjoy that totally makes
1: sense because talking about books you take something that was a completely solitary experience for you and then you share it afterwards like you can't read something together even if you're both sat simultaneously reading the book you can't share the experience of what's going into your brain Mm. Um, so then being able to sort of discuss it with somebody afterwards is really cool
0: yeah, actually, that's exactly what we've been, because we, again, we have fairly different taste in books. It's starting to cross over a bit now, but we've decided to read the same book while we're in isolation. And it is really interesting because obviously you are having different experiences and you do sort of consume things at different paces. and Yeah. And obviously... I'm
1: very, a great- very... Um- influenced by how and where I read a book too like I still get flashes of some books when I'm driving down a certain bit of motorway and I go oh that's why I listen to the pilgrimage of Harold Fry and like parts of the M40 still make me think about that book because <laughs> I've connected it to where I heard it but when I'm reading it with other people that's when I do tend to stick to books so we briefly with my friends had a an ill-fated book club um and uh it, it didn't last very long but I remember there was this one book, um, it was a Margaret Atwood one, and I can't remember what it was called, but it was set in Canada, and it there was something to do with a button factory, and I read this entire goddamn book, um, not really loving it, like didn't really hate it, but it all just was a little bit like, oh, I don't really know but I'm sticking it out because I'm going to turn up to book club and I turned up to book club and none of those bitches had read this
0: book. furious.
1: (laughs) And then everybody's getting on the wine and they're all going, well, tell us the plot then. So I start (laughs) trying to explain. So I'm like, so there's a button factory, right? And then obviously we're all just pissing ourselves laughing. (laughs) And I'm sort of sitting there thinking, well, hang on a minute. I struggled through every minute of that book, like these affairs and this going on, and it was long. Of course, it was long. It was Margaret bloody Atwood, and days and days and days. When I could have been listening to something with aliens and guns, but I wasn't into <laughs> this maudlin thing about a button factory. But I did kind of finish it, and I mean, I can't remember anything about it now, but other than it was in a button factory. But right. I guess that okay. made me carry through it. Did you feel a sense of achievement that you'd read it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel an achievement because I think I've managed to to not associate books with uh, something I should be doing, you know? So I think in order to feel an achievement for finishing it, I'd have to believe that there was some sort of moral superiority to difficult books. If a book is difficult to read, it doesn't mean it's better for you. It's not a vegetable. Just because it's
0: gross, it isn't making you better. That's exactly. Did you see the quote from Marianne Keys? She said exactly the same thing in an interview oh, when they. She... Yeah, well, they said to her, "Did you? Is there any book that you sort of? Uh, I think it was like you're embarrassed you haven't read it, or you regret not reading, or something." And she was like, "No, of course not. Reading is pleasurable. There's, there's nothing I should have read. There's mm. no, no classic I should have got to. If I've read it and I've liked it, that's it's great. Yeah, I'm I... but it was very good." I also think it's great that everyone reads differently because Mm. everyone just read read the same thing, you know, just thinking the same thing and discussing the same story. And surely that's not that's not why there's an absolute cacophony of books, fiction and nonfiction out there.
1: No, exactly. And it's a total dismissal of popularity. It's it's that constant thing that happens where when something's popular, because it's appealed to so many people is a negative all of a sudden. And you think, oh, this is tedious, because no, (laughs) you are wrong. The popularity of something is a marker that, sure, it's not difficult to access, but do you know how hard it is to make something that is so comforting to access that that many people want it? Like, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey, while it might not be the most intellectual thing you've ever read, the fact that so many people accessed it and enjoyed it makes Mm. it a work of art because you've, like, not everything does that at
0: all. I think that's really, really true and really important. And tell me about Outlander.
1: Ah, Outlander, yeah. So this series that Diane Gabaldon, my mum has had these on her bedside table for as long as I can remember, since I was a child. My mum must have read these when they came out, practically. And ever since I was a sort of young adult, she has said, oh, you should read these. You should read Dragonfly and Amber. You should read Outlander. You should read these, blah, blah, blah. And when, you know, when it's something that your mum thinks is good, so you automatically go, oh, I know you like it, mum, but I'm not going to. I'm brilliant. And you're just a stupid woman that's raised me. So I've never got round to them. And then um, I I guess the, is it Amazon, I think, made the series of it. And I said to mm-hmm. mum, oh, those books you love have been made. And she started watching the series. And I thought, oh, I might start watching the series too. And I was sort of co-watching it with Game of Thrones. And then um, there was a day where I was sort of going to bed and thinking, God, I'm really anxious today. Why am I anxious? I've had a really nice day at home. And then I realised I'd watched four people get raped that day. Across various television shows that I was watching. And I thought, <laughs> you know what, that might be why I'm anxious. Might be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that my relaxation today has just been watching several rapes. Um, so I stopped watching Game of Thrones and I stopped watching Outlander. But then I was like, oh no, I was really into that Outlander story. I just didn't want to watch the violence. So I started listening to the audiobooks instead. And I just think they are some of the most effortless fat fiction i've ever listened to um they are so flowing and domestic but interesting and so rich in historical research and information but laid so lightly across a narrative the characters are fantastic and complicated and difficult and sexy um, and it's a real romp, but with so much more into it. And I mean, I must be on book five or six now. And the story's just developed beyond anywhere I thought it would have gone. And there's sort of a few magical elements to it here and there. But you just really, it's so romantic in the original meaning of the word romantic. You know, it's so elaborate and a vast world and so exciting this this sort of romance happening across centuries and so scary and in book form I can handle the violence I'm much more sort of all right with listening to the tension and enjoying that where Mm. where when I was watching it on a screen it was too much
0: and did you tell your mum that you're that you're into it now
1: yes (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) um, I'm really sorry. It's yet another thing in the pile that you were absolutely excited about. (laughs) Along with, why wasn't I always stacking the saucepans inside each other to save space in the cupboard? Because now I'm married to a man that physically can't do it. I understand why you were so mad. God, (laughs) we have that same situation here. Oh, God, why can't... Like, we have these Joseph Joseph nesting bowls that are deliberately designed (laughs) to go inside each other. Because when you live in a shoebox in the city and... (laughs) I honestly I love my husband with every inch of my body but if I ever leave him it will be because of those frigging nesting bowls.
0: Um I want to say that out of your whole list of books um the one the goldfinch seemed like something that might potentially be up my alley and I began to read it and it was yeah. so far up my alley I can't tell you it is so good. Uh it, I have consumed Where are it. you up to? I, no, no, no. It's it's very big, Laura. Yeah. I tried to finish it in time, but I couldn't. Um, I am at, I'm in Vegas.
1: Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. So The Goldfinch was one of those books where every now and again, I would, I would catch myself and think, what the, why are you still listening to this? It's, it's been going on for so long and nothing's happened for ages, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. so compelling. I don't know if there's ever been a book that I've envisioned quite as clearly and and physically as this book. She's she's a witch, I think, Donna Tart. Like yes. I don't. She's so like you're in it and you're compelled to carry on with it. Um, see, the thing that fascinates me about the Goldfinch is that they're currently making a film of it. Oh, I out. And I just can't quite get my head round what sort of a film that's going to be.
0: I have mixed feelings on the whole film adaptation situation with books because, I mean, generally I think they can be quite good. But what? Yeah, when a book is like The Goldfinch, where the joy of it is in the reading, it's in those those little details and the fact that yeah, I've been reading it for days now, and very little <laughs> has happened. <laughs> yeah. But, but you're having stop. a great time, aren't you? Well there's also this yeah. underlying under underlying, underlying sense that she's always hinting, oh because you know, there's a prologue where you where you know at the beginning something big has happened again. So you know that's coming. And I yeah. think that is enough combined with the just just incredible characterization and detail and just you just wonder what's gonna happen to, to, to Theo, I think. So worried
1: about him in Vegas. Yeah, you are. You're worried about him and just the the big scale jump there that that when they go from the city to Vegas and suddenly the entire world changes around you and you're just it's such a magnificent sweeping change I think to suddenly be in Vegas and so beautifully described. That book just it's it's haunted me since I finished it because there's just I don't know, just that feeling, it really gave me an emotion the whole time. I was sort of wanted him to be okay, but then was just so angry with him constantly for making terrible decisions <laughs> at every single turn. You just, but then you were completely, she's done it so cleverly that you completely understand why he's making terrible decisions. Cause you're like, yeah, you've, yeah, absolutely. I know. I see. I have been um, in the same
0: in his situation. I mean.
1: Yeah. You've not had a good time, baby, <laughs> in a terrible life. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know with the film. I am I I agree with you. Like, one of my favourite books that I remember reading that I've never revisited because I think I read it at a, at a point in my life, um, but The um, Time Traveller's Wife.
0: Yes, I didn't watch open. the film.
1: No, I haven't either because I know that my visual memory is quite flaky. I find it really hard to hold images in my head. I very much think in words and spellings. Mm. And I'm really... I really kind of have blurry images in my mind of what I remember imagining when I read that book. And I'm scared that if I see the film, those images will sort of overlay the book images that I've got and I don't want that to happen. So I think I probably won't watch The Goldfinch for a similar reason that when I think about The Goldfinch, I have these very sort of snippety imaginings of different sort of... Worlds, and I don't want the film's vision of that to just neatly slot over the top because remembering the film is easier than remembering my imagination.
0: You said that when you read a book has a real i mean I, I know we talked about sort of driving on the motorway, but also if you read a book during a hard time in your life, do you find it hard to revisit that book?
1: I think when I'm in a book, I'm probably not in my own life anymore. So, no, I think I'd be all right. Music, yes. I would find it hard to listen to a song that was around at a hard part in my life. But a book I think I'd be all right with, you know. I don't tend to revisit books that much unless they're in a series and I reread them when the new one comes out or something Mm -hmm. like that. I've just actually been rereading ones, um, a couple of Wilbur Smith ones that I really loved as a child. But I I sometimes find that they're disappointing. Like the other day I reread Therese Rakan because I really remember loving that as a teenager. It was one of the first like classic type ones that I just adored. Mm -hmm. And I thought like, oh, I'm going to go back and read that. And I didn't like it as much. And I was kind of reading it thinking, what did I love at the time? But I suppose I just must have read more stuff now that does the same thing but better. So this didn't have that hit anymore. And when I reread that, I was sort of vaguely thinking in my head, oh, I might go back and reread Wuthering Heights. Because, again, that was another Mm. one that was just one of the first classics that I just loved. But now I'm sort of like, no, I don't think I will. I think I'll just leave it with that vague memory of loving it. Because I don't want to have the same thing again that I had with Therese Racan. So
0: that's interesting because you chose Therese Racan as one of your sort of top books. So well I did.
1: Like... Yeah, I did I did choose it because but for the for the first reading of it, not for the revisiting. Because yes, when I first read it, it was probably one of the first things I'd ever read where I hated everyone but was sort of still cheering for them. It was one of the first things I'd read with nasty anti heroes being being the only people you could love so you sort of had to it was probably one of my first reading experiences of of having to learn that not all of my characters were going to be the heroes but I was Mm. still going to have to love them and you could still make them interesting and and the writing could still be compelling
0: I am very sad that we can't talk about books all day Are we allowed to say anything about about your publishing uh, thing? Yeah,
1: so the deal should be announced now, which is very exciting. So I've um, signed with Two Roads at Hachette. Amazing. Which is very exciting. So exciting. Um, They've offered me a two-book deal. Mm -hmm. So I will be writing, first of all, um, a book based on my uh, viral tweets about um, fantasizing about being married to very sensible Jürgen Klopp. So, I'm quite excited about that. I'm really enjoying sort of developing this sort of fantasist character, you know this woman who is terribly um upset by everything in the world and and her coping mechanism is to is to imagine this very sensible husband giving her all the advice that she knows is is true but um doesn't always listen to herself and then they are such a fantastic publisher and um that they've also said that they will happily have any novel of my choice from me afterwards. So um, I think I'm going to be developing a novel based on a a TV script that I've been working on for a few years, um, working title of Pivot about a women's netball team.
0: Excellent. Um, I suppose I just wanted to ask, I know that you said you buy a lot of your things sort of on audiobook. Do you ever frequent bookstores?
1: Oh, yeah, I love bookstores, especially just before you go on holiday.
0: So we're trying to we're trying to particularly at the moment while book sales are very down, just pick up the independent bookstore. So if there's any independent bookstore that you have frequented, it's fine to also use you know Amazon and Waterstones and everything. But do you know what I can't think of one in Brighton, which
1: is terrible of me because I expect there are. But the one that I um I suppose have the most interaction with is is Big Green Bookshops on Twitter. Oh
0: lovely, they're so
1: um, nice. I find that their use of social media to sort of. And how honest they are. Mm. I, I quite like that. Like some days when, you know, at lunchtime, they're like, I just want to have sold 15 books by today. And you go, oh, okay. Like, you, you know, there's none of this, like, here's my turnover. It's like, just 15 books, please. Um, so that's the independent bookstore that I think that's I, a perfect I choice.
0: interact with the most. i have completely forgotten about them as well. Yeah, they are really good on Twitter. And at the moment, I believe they're doing two things, which is buy a stranger a book um where you, where you literally yep. buy, buy a stranger a book well you donate it and they they sell them the stranger a book and you can also buy a book club subscription to them so
1: huh. yeah I also I think didn't Mark Watson give away like sort of 30 copies of his book to first come first serve people that wanted them through big green books he sort of bought lots. yes of he did copies.
0: a few people did actually I think but yes I yeah. saw Mark Watson doing it online yeah exactly.
1: I mean, I should know an independent bookshop in in Brighton. I really should, but... It's
0: okay. You go out and find one after this lockdown is over. Yeah, I will. Right. Well, thank you so much. This has been lovely. And I'm quite sad it's coming to an end.
1: Well, I'll be um... back.
0: I'll I'll read three more books and
1: then we can chat about those. (laughs)
0: Great. Maybe even post-lockdown and
1: we'll do it in person maybe we should do a summary when you finish the goldfinch we should do a little
0: postscript to this where we discuss Absolutely. the entire goldfinch of course we should that's what everyone's yeah. waiting for <laughs> <laughs> any hour discussion of the goldfinch i'm down i'm in i'm ready yeah So, <laughs> thank you have a lovely day laura and we will thank speak you. You. thank you for listening to today's episode of comics books i hope you enjoyed it In the show notes, you'll be able to find full listings of all the books we mentioned, as well as links to our featured independent bookshop. Have a great week, reading, laughing, and then reading some more.